Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. Amen. My iPad's about dead. I guess I forgot to plug it in. So if it dies, we're just going to shoot from the hip. You guys in? Are we in? Okay. Take your Bibles, turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, verse number 1. Exodus chapter 2, verse number 1. Uh, in the uh, program, I just want to remind you, um, James, you did great today, man. God bless you, bro. Amen. Didn't James do good today? He did good today. <laughs> Nothing like getting embarrassed. Come on. But I want to remind you, we've, we've continued to tweak and rebuild our website, which it's got pretty much a, a, a full, uh, brand new look to it. And inside the program, if you, if you go to the program, uh, scroll down a little bit, you'll see a spot that says, uh, kind of, I made a decision today. And so we're really trying to get organized and uh, you know, kind of prepare so that it, as the Lord moves, as he does things, uh, look, he's building his church. There's no way getting around it. I mean, our nine o'clock service has continued to grow. Uh, we're full today and um, the Lord's continue, continuing to move. Um, and so as the Lord moves in you personally, we also want to help. Like, you know, if you make a decision to, to declare your loyalty to Jesus and trust Christ as Savior, or if you want to get baptized because you did that, or if you want to join a group, all of those things uh, you can let let us know through the program. So there's a little drop-down menu if you made a decision for Jesus today or if you want to get baptized, uh, so on and so forth. So that's that's in there. And folks have, uh, sometimes people text me and be like, hey, I want to make a decision for Jesus or I want to follow him or I want to get baptized, and that's totally fine, uh, but sometimes I forget. And uh, stuff falls through the cracks, and you know there's a lot. There's a lot of you at this point, and so uh, we're able to really help and keep up, and you know make sure that you don't fall through the cracks if we can follow those those channels there. So uh, go to the program if you want to make a decision. You can put it in through there, and we'll follow up with you, um, and then see what else is there. See what else we're continuing to develop um, as far as notes and questions. It's most of it is is on there. If you have any uh, feedback for us, um, let Cody know. He's the one who's really handling all of that, and uh, we'll, we'll take it into consideration. But um, go check out the, the website as it is new, and there's a lot more of things that are available to you. If you haven't joined a group yet, uh, we would love to encourage you. I understand they're not for everybody, but there is one for everybody. Um, and so you can you jump in there, and, and if there's something that you would like to see time-wise, let us know. Uh, we have hit the point, uh, and this is no joke, not only are we growing on Sundays, but we are over triple our reach in groups from what we were on Wednesday night. So no longer, yeah, yeah, the Lord is moving. We are triple what we were on a Wednesday night crowd now involved actively throughout the week in groups. So uh, people are getting involved. They're seeing it and seeing the benefit of that. Uh, and so it's not too late. Sarah and I, we host one tonight's group. Um, will ours will, will be here for the Super Bowl. And so if you don't have plans for tonight, if you don't care about football, like the Ravens aren't in it, so I don't really care, uh, to be honest. <laughs> but we're going to have it up on the screen and hang out and eat. And uh, so tonight, if, if you want to come and you don't have a spot to, to party, come here. And if you have some friends or whatever that we're going to come over, but you'd rather watch it on a bigger screen, invite your friends. Anybody's welcome. Uh, so they'll, we'll have the kitchen open. You can plug in a crock pot or bring something from Rural Farms or, I don't know, bring 10 McDoubles. You know what I'm saying, Ben? I mean, it's not that complicated. Uh, how many eat McDonald's regularly? I know who to pray for. Amen. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
Man, I, there was a time in my life that, did we lose the screen again? Okay, no, poor Ryan. The screens, they're, they're going in and out. But um, yeah, bring, bring something, I don't care. Uh, pick up a possum on the side of the road. We'll figure out how to cook it and prepare it. Um, possum pot pie, sound good? <laughs> sound good. Uh, but yeah, just bring something to eat and we'll party, we'll hang out. Uh, some, somebody said to me this week, I just want to watch the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like, okay, I'll leave the room. You can watch the halftime show. Have it, have at it, whatever. Uh, you know, I think, is it Rihanna? That's right. Uh, I think, what is, which one does River sing? It's like that Rihanna song was like on some, some movie. Is it Diamonds? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's go. Rihanna for the halftime show. Uh, maybe Eminem will make a special, uh, you know, appearance. What do you think? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, and then I'm going to make a, a, a post on Facebook about the halftime show. And it's, <laughs> it's going to turn into all kinds of fun. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, if you know, you know. That's so dumb. I really could care less. I mean, I mean that. And, like, there's, there's like... Uh, and not necessarily about the halftime show, but about what people think. <laughs> really could care less. Um, I think there's like, life's too short. You know what I mean? Like life is just too short to live in fear of men. In fear of what other people think or how they feel about what you do. And I know there's a fine line. There's a balance there. Um, but I'll say this. Like we're going to see some things today that... Um, God doesn't really have to operate in a specific model. I spent years of my life in a, what most would deem because it is a cult, <laughs> uh, in that type of church that it's all about control. And unless you see it, you don't see it. And you're just in it and you're inundated with it. But at this point, I'm like, man, God has got to laugh at some of the things we come up with. God has got to laugh at some of the like cultural, for instance, the church, part of the church, and I think there's still the church, you know, like I'm not, I think the church is pretty broad. I think it would be really ignorant for us. Uh, and this is kind of me showing my card. Y'all mind if I just chat with you a little bit today? Y'all all right, we're just having a conversation. Is everybody okay? We're just chatting, you know, we're just having, having a good time. I tend to just chat when I have 200 people just listening to me. It's kind of weird. This is my therapy session. No, I'm kidding. I'm really not. <laughs> I just think that, you know, the church is pretty broad. And maybe there would have been a time in my life that, because there would have, where I thought we are the church and everybody else is a fake imposter. Everybody else is just, they don't have it right. We do. If that's your mentality, I'm sorry. You should really work to get out of that mentality. You should really work to get out of the place that you're right and everybody else is wrong. And that it's you against the world. It's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy mentality for you to be in. And the Lord, look, the Lord can be praised and honored. And this is something that I think Sarah and I set through a session at, at the conference that we went to in Orlando. And the, the man was like, he was a Pentecostal. Then he was an Anglican priest. And now he pastors like a non-denominational church. He had been in all those different genres of faith. And he said something so profound. And I, I tracked with it so much. Coming from somebody who has been in a, in a movement that was like so far on the right. You know, women couldn't wear pants. Women couldn't speak or preach in the church, right? I mean, it was just like far far right. You only use one type of Bible. All the other ones are imposters. Uh, it's so hard when you come out of that because maybe you've been burnt, and that's essentially what happens in those environments. And then the pendulum swings, right? And then you're, then you're all the way over here on the other side where all that is wrong and, you know, you hate and despise some of the mentalities, right, that come from that. And as long as we're living like a pendulum that swings, we're going to be living in the extremes. And he said to me, he said, you know, to me, it was a session, to me as one of a bunch of people that was in there. He said, I look at it more like a spiral. And I thought of like a parking garage. 
right, where we go to different levels, different places. The first floor isn't better than the sixth floor. It's just a different perspective. And he said, if you drive in a spiral fashion and you consider and think about all of the different movements that you've been in as more of a spiral, you're, you're able to collect and garner and grow in those different places that the Lord takes you instead of a pendulum where everything is wrong all the time. And I thought to myself, that is what I want for Bethlehem. I want us to consider what the Lord has for us in any season. Hi, Miss Eileen, how are you? Good to see you. Thank you for coming, amen. Um, but let's consider that everybody's in a different place. And maybe not everybody agrees with you in that perspective, but guess what? You don't know where you're gonna be in a year and what you're gonna believe then and what you're gonna see that the Lord will show you that you didn't know now because you don't know what you don't know. Some of y'all need to like write that down. You don't know what you don't know. Because men, I've seen... A lot of folks in my short time on this earth, in my ministry experience, that it's them against everybody else. The Lord has a real hard time working in that culture because it's not you against the world. It should be us lifting up something for the world to come to, and that's the name of Jesus. How are you going to lift up the name of Jesus and draw a lost world to a certain direction when you think it's you against them? Does that philosophy fit? No. So anyway, I, I just want to say this as I'm up here rambling. I was very thankful this week, very grateful, like overwhelmed multiple times with just a feeling of gratitude for a place that I just come and worship and I don't feel like you're judging me. I'm certainly not judging you. And, and I don't feel like we have to fit any certain construct. I don't feel like I have to have a reform bent to my message. I don't feel like I have to talk about election in a certain way. I don't feel like I have to or don't have to talk about spiritual gifts a certain way. I feel very free here, which is good because I'm the pastor. <laughs> but uh, it's just not that way everywhere. There are some pastors that are standing up across the country this morning that are in fear. Why? Because maybe they believe something that they don't want to share for fear that they may lose something. That's not here. Anyway, just having a conversation, just chatting. <laughs> Take your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter two. I wanna remind you, I'm gonna dabble a little bit in what Cody talked about last week because it really sets the stage. This series has continued to develop as we've kind of taken a few steps back and got a running start. Um, but I want to zero in on a few things. One being, remember how he talked about the, the waters, right? So the Nile River specifically is used in such of a way, in such a way that it overflows and floods the region. And from the, the Nile flooding, many things would receive life and things would begin to grow and, and the country would be blessed because of the Nile flooding, it would bring life. But then the Nile is the place that Pharaoh commanded all of the baby boys to be thrown in. And so the Nile was also a place that caused death. And so we saw this contrast in, in Cody's message about what is also life-giving can also bring death. And that is a important facet to our faith. It's an important concept for us to see, for us to understand, and also wrestle with. Um, and so we're going to continue to build on that thought. Once again, uh, you know, if, if I would say, uh, you know, if something doesn't make sense, it's probably because maybe you didn't uh, catch a, a, another message that we had or on, the, on that certain topic. So continue to watch. If you don't make it here, uh, watch and, and stay up on the series because it is building uh, one with another. Now, look at verse number 15. The king of Egypt, it's not in the, it's not in the screens yet because today's text is chapter two, verses one through 10. But I want you to see this. Uh, verse 15, because what we're gonna focus in on in chapter two, we see it starts back here. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, do you see that? 
And remember, the first whose name was Shipra and the second whose name was Pua. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. If it's a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared who? God. And did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. What we're seeing is the narrator is showing us that Pharaoh has a plan. And at every, what's his plan? Cody told us last week, it's to undo the Edenic blessing. God gave the Edenic blessing when he created uh, male and female in the garden and placed them there. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and what? Subdue it. And we find that in Exodus, they are fruitful, they're multiplying, they're filling the earth, but they are being what? Subdued. And so Pharaoh is working to reverse the Edenic blessing with a curse. Look, we have to see this. We have to see that Within this life, within our constructs, when God is trying to do something good, the enemy is doing the exact opposite on the other side of it. How many can sense that and see that at work in the world today? Anybody? Can we see it? I think we can. The the thing is, is like for folks that maybe say, I just can't wrap my head around a God and angelic beings and these things that you believe from scripture. Maybe you can't wrap your head around that, but can you see the presence of evil in the world? Do you have an impulse to do things? Maybe you struggle with like in, in your mind, I can't, I can't see those things there, right? I, I just can't imagine heaven and like a whole unseen realm. It just seems so foreign. Well, don't allow that to curb your thinking and, and get you to not see the things that we should absolutely see. Because to me, the fact that there is a force of evil, can we see that? Can we agree on that? There's a force of, of like, look at the news this week. Look at some of the things that have happened, right? There's clearly a force of evil that has to be fought kept in check. There's some law enforcement officers in the room today. They probably see the front lines of that force of evil often. And if you don't think that, have a conversation with one of them, they'll tell you there's evil working in the world. Just because you can't fathom or think of uh, these angelic beings and these forces, just because maybe you can't reckon with that and you only uh, see and accept what's right in front of you doesn't mean that it's not real and that it's not working. Because we see human beings that are devoted to helping people and we see other human beings that are devoted to destroying people. And that's what we see in this story. The enemy, listen, church, is constantly at work. He will, until, until the enemy, let's call him Satan, uh, the rebellious members of the divine council, whatever your perspective is, when God disinherited the nations at, at Babel and handed them over, listen, Babylon has always been a place, there's always a city on this planet that is going against God, against good, and those are the forces of evil. And they're there, and they're real, and they're evident. There's a lot of things in our lives that have this like really strong pull. Has anybody ever tried to give up sugar? Anybody? How's it going? <laughs> That's a tough thing, isn't it? I did really good for like, we had the fast, and Last night, man, it was one of those nights. <laughs> What's the Amish thing, the rumspringer, where they go out at 16 and they do whatever and sow their wild oats? I was sowing my sugar oats in the kitchen last night. Let me tell you something. I'm like, get this stuff out of my house. My in-laws are out of town. Uh, we appreciate all they do to help us. But, man, they make their Costco runs. You know what I'm saying? They make their Costco runs. It's not my stuff. I don't want to eat that way, right? And it's just, and not that they have a whole lot of it, but if it's in the house, I have a magnetic pull to sugar and candy. Anybody else? Ice cream. Oh, my goodness gracious. How many of that is your Achilles heel ice cream? Yes, friend. Yes. If it's dairy, oh, I am in it. I am in it. My wife caught me last night. I was laying on the garage floor just covered in ice cream. I was in a coma. 
I was in a coma. It was unbelievable. The last thing I remember is one last taste, a bite of peanut butter and chocolate at the same time, and then I blacked out. Oh, it was incredible. Sugar. You think that these forces don't exist in our world. They exist. And if you've ever been on the wrong side of an addiction, and I don't mean like addiction can be good, I mean like where it's been visible and it's taken your life and taken something from you, you can see the real devastation that comes from the forces of darkness. They will use whatever they can in a perverted, twisted sense to derail you from the course that, and the plan that God has for you. So what we're seeing here is the Edenic blessing, Pharaoh is trying to undo it. Instead of letting them thrive, and remember this is from the Abrahamic covenant, and God promised Abraham, he says, look, I will make your, your family, your generations like the stars of the sky. And I will pass through. Remember the covenant was killing an animal, separating the animal, and passing through the blood in the middle of it. And what we have with Egypt, what we have to see and what we have to understand is that Egypt, and a lot of this is just review, Egypt isn't a picture of the world. Egypt is a picture of death. As Joseph was sold into slavery uh, for the Midianites to carry him with his brothers to Egypt, the Midianites were carrying what? Embalming fragrances and spices, and they were taking them to the place that knows death more than anyone, and that's Egypt. From the ancient Near East and the ancient perspective, Egypt was bookend by the Nile River and the Reed Sea. Water in the ancient Near East was a picture of a chaos monster. It was a picture of death, which is why when Yahweh uh, in creation and in the creation story, when he tames the waters, the spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. It's, a, it's, another, word, it's another way of saying Yahweh brought order to the world. He tamed the watery depths. He tamed the chaos monster. And in Egypt, in the ancient Near East, water was a picture of chaos and death. It was a place that they were scared of. And the significance of them passing through death as the Reed Sea or the Red Sea will eventually be parted and they pass into the wilderness headed to the promised land, it's the same picture that we have that Jesus passes from death into what? Life. It's a, it's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This Exodus story is the same fight of good and evil that Jesus has been waging war on, that Yahweh has been waging war on from the beginning. That's what we have to see. It's the same. So as Pharaoh begins to undo, as he is the the snake, he's the figurehead here, as Cody talked about last week. He's the figurehead to the conflict, if you will, to the enemy, the other side. We see he starts to employ these ladies. And remember, what is another thing Cody said last week? Other than women in this culture, they were not named. They were second-class citizens, right? They, they were the lesser than. And what is the narrator in this story doing? He's naming them. He's naming the ladies. As Pharaoh, a general term of the king, his specific name isn't even named by the, the narrator, but Shipra and Pua, the midwives, are specifically named. And we're gonna see what else happens here. Now, we're, we're at our text. All that was a little bit of review. Hopefully helpful. Look at chapter two, verse number one. It says this. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. He's out the gate again, talking about more ladies, isn't he? The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him there for three months. Why did she hide him? Come on now, do you remember? That's right. Pharaoh was killing all the boys, right? So she has a son, and she hides him there three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. 
if you look at Moses' age here, and then you compare the age that his sister is in other passages, we can surmise that she was about six years old. Okay, so she's here. Her mom sets him in, in the teva, uh, the, the ark. She puts him in an ark in a body of water to save his people. Does that sound familiar? She puts him in the teva, and his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen. Pharaoh's daughter, let's continue to read, went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. I just, my curiosity when I was reading this, I thought to myself, okay, well, yeah, I've always been taught that they bathed in the Nile. (laughs) And I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know why pastors just say that and assume the fact that they don't have indoor plumbing because it's ancient Near East. But guess what? A little bit of research this week. Guess what they had in Egypt during this time period? They had indoor plumbing. So the fact that she went down to the Nile River to bathe means that she was doing something out of the ordinary. She had a purpose for it. This was not just her normal ritual. This was actually out of the ordinary. Pharaoh's daughter would have had a bathroom to bathe in. Let's continue. She walks down to the riverbank with her servant girls with her, and she what? What's it say? She, okay, she saw the basket. Stay with me here. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. There he was, the little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Now, right at that moment, what is she supposed to do with that boy? Take him out of the teva and put him in the water, right? Watch it. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter. So his sister, six years old, get the picture. The mom puts him in the water in the the little ark. And his sister goes, watching it go down the Nile River into the reeds. And she's sitting there, hiding, wondering what's going to happen to her baby brother. And as soon as Pharaoh's daughter sees the boy, hears and, and, and feels sorry for him, his little sister pops out of the reeds. Do you see it? This is a very brave act for a six-year-old. It's like Little River, (laughs) on the Nile River. Little River on the Nile River. I could see her at this stage, right? Especially her. She'd confront just about anybody. And if you know her, you know that's true. But look what happens. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? That's a smart young lady, isn't it? Who do you think she went and got? His mama. Should I go? Don't miss this. This gives me chills every time I read it. What's the next word? What is it? Verse 8. What's the next word? Go. Huh. Pharaoh's daughter told her, She said, go. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, uh, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her what? Her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now we're remembering Pharaoh's efforts to reverse the Edenic blessing. He is using the women to enact the reversal. Let let me just show you what God does here. He is allowing the baby girls to live. Pharaoh first says, I'm gonna use the midwives. I'm gonna craft this plan that I'm gonna use the women to not only kill the baby boys, but I'm gonna also let the baby girls live. I will merge our peoples. I'm trying to prevent the Israelites from becoming a nation. I'm trying to prevent the Israelites from subduing what God has given them to subdue. But, But what you have to understand is that Yahweh's promise is eternal. Yahweh's promise is forever. And if Yahweh says, Abraham, I'm gonna make your seed like the stars of the sky, that's what's going to happen. 
And here I, I just see God working in such a unique way in the story. There's so many good things here. But I want you to see that as, as Pharaoh uses women to undo the Edenic curse, what does God do? He uses women against Pharaoh. Do you see the theme? Do you see what the narrator is trying to get us to see here? I think about this passage. Genesis 50, verse 19 through 21, it says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me, but God planned it for what? Good, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Remember, we talked about Joseph being sold into slavery. At the end of the day, Joseph ends up in power and his brothers are there in front of them and they're wondering, is Joseph gonna kill us because we sold him into slavery? But here's the thing, Joseph had the right perspective. Joseph saw what they did not themselves see. Why? Because he had already dreamed it years before. He had already seen what God was going to do before it ever happened. And Joseph said, look, what the enemy, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. My whole goal today in today's message is just to get us to broaden our perspective a little bit. It's just to get us to see things a little bit clearer. We have, an, uh, we have a tendency to look, look at things through fear, shame, or guilt. We have a tendency to think to ourselves like, you know what, I'm just scared at what's gonna happen in this world. Everything's so wild and, and crazy and I don't even know what God is doing. And we have a tendency to look and move out of fear. And we don't acknowledge the fact that literally God is in complete control. He's not a step behind, he's a step ahead. And what Joseph said, what the devil, the enemy, what Pharaoh meant for evil, guess what? God meant for good. Do you see it? Are you starting to see it? Is, is it forming for you? What I, what I also wanna, wanna say is, I don't wanna miss the simplicity of this story. What we're seeing God do, I wanna, I wanna bring this up. Pharaoh didn't see. You understand what I'm saying? What we see what we're like, Pharaoh, the midwives have turned against you. <laughs> Your plan is not working. You literally just had to make an edict and say, okay, any boy or baby, just throw them in the Nile. But what I want you to see is that Pharaoh's sin was blinding him. When the enemy uses you, the enemy doesn't care about you. He'll do whatever it takes. Sin blinds. Sin misleads just before Pharaoh thought he had it on, on lockdown, his plan begins to fall apart. And sin fabricates. It fabricates. Pharaoh should have seen it, but he did not. This is unbelievable. This is probably my, my favorite part of this passage here. The daughter of Pharaoh comes on the scene, and instead of aligning with her father, she aligns with Yahweh. The daughter, wait a minute. This narrator is literally saying, let me, let me help you with something. Culturally, they don't care about women. Culturally, they're using and abusing women. They'll keep the Hebrew women for slaves and, and, and kill all of the boys. They don't care, but the narrator is saying, let me explain something to you. God infinitely values you. If Pharaoh says, I will use the women for my bidding, I will use them to accomplish my purposes, God says, listen, I will name them. I will put on display that they are literally my image bearers. What I'm trying to say to you is the Bible was way ahead of its time. People that say, you know, the Bible is, uh, what's the word, misogynistic, I think, or I, probably, I might be saying it wrong, but, you know, it doesn't, uh, put men and women on an equal plane. And there are passages in there that are demeaning to women. You're not seeing it for what it is. I would say, have you read Exodus? You have to understand that the cultural norm of the day was to demean women. 
the cultural norm of the day was for them to keep silent in those situations. But what I'm telling you is that's not what God did. That's not how God acted. That wasn't God's character. Yahweh from the beginning said, let let me explain something to you. The enemy is at work using you. The enemy is at work using injustice and using the tools that he's always used, fear, shame, and guilt. The enemy doesn't value women. I do. Women are my image bearers. I'm tired of like people that don't study the Bible giving the Bible a bad rap. They like read a verse, take it out of context and say, see, this is why you shouldn't go to church or have anything to do with God. He's a sexist. No joke. And I'm just like, you don't read the Bible I'm reading. You don't see, you don't know my God. The reason why women are seen as equal, the reason why women are actually on the same footing and the same playing field is because of the Bible, is because of the work that the gospel has been doing for millennia. Sorry, sweetheart, your work in the last 10 years towards feminism is not as much as what the Bible has been doing to make sure that we all know that each and every one of us is valued the same and loved the same and that God cares for both of us. God doesn't see color. God doesn't see gender. He sees image bearers and he loves us all. If we read the Bible and if we get in touch with the message of this book, hatred goes out the window. Do you understand what I'm saying? Injustice goes out the window. Folks are looked at as image bearers of God, and God says, I am pleased with that. And therefore, Christians that churches, people that use the Bible as a weapon against women, you're wrong. Pastors that stand up in the pulpit and demean or put women lower than you're weaponizing scripture and you're taking the side of the enemy. You're not doing what God is doing. You're not valuing. My goodness. Look, I'm no dummy. My wife is way smarter than I am. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? My iPad's dying. Hang on. Stand by. I thought I could make it through, but she's she's about dead. Let's see. Yeah, will it just hang here? Oh, yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're going to prop it up. That's not ugly at all, is it? Where's Cody at? We got to work a charger up for next week. If I was a knucklehead and charged my iPad, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Look, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture for you about how good God is. I'm about to blow, I, I love this. This blew, blew my socks off when I read this. Exodus chapter two, verse 24 through 25. Read this with me. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God, what does it say? He saw the Israelites and God knew. I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Go to Exodus three, seven through nine. Exodus three, seven through nine. Then the Lord said, I have what? Don't miss this church. I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them what? Crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their what? Sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them From that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, of the Hethites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Sounds like they need Terminex, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We had termites this week, didn't we, babe? Y'all pray for us. They were eating a mess out of my house. I mean, going ham. I told my baby mama, I was like, I'm going to build you a pantry. She's like, okay, I'll build you a pantry. She's a queen. She deserves a pantry or whatever she wants. It doesn't have to be a pantry or a kitchen. It's 2023. You understand what I'm saying? She just enjoys being in the kitchen because she likes to. (laughs) I would stay home if she wanted me to stay home. Uh, She's way more capable than I am. But uh, here's the point. I said, I'm going to build you a pantry. That's what she wanted. So I'm going to take a little bit of the garage, 
and I'm going to rework some things. And, of course, I open up the wall, Jimmy, and it's like my gas line, my water lines. My, it's all in the one spot where I wanted to put the door, you know. So I'm like, man, I'm going to go downstairs and see if I can figure this thing out. And I put my hand up against the wall, and it's really dry. And we have, like, our foundation wall sealed. My house isn't that old. I put my hand right through it. And I look, and there's these bugs just going everywhere. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> what the devil meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. If I hadn't have made the decision, right, to build the pantry, I would have never known. They were going ham. They were eating at all four corners of the house. And so we had, uh, we had the termites come get the hivites and, uh, <laughs> and bomb the house this week. <laughs> oh, it's always something, isn't it? Man, always something. But I was just, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, there's some stuff I got to replace. Number one, I'm thankful that I have the ability to do that. Number two, I'm grateful that we did a project. that Because that, they, you don't see them. Not until your sheetrock is, not until I sit down to play the piano and I fall through the doggone floor. You know what I mean? Shoo! Anyway, I'm just super grateful. So pray that, pray that what the Hivites did to the Amorites, that it worked this week. But, uh. We're moving forward. Back to, the, back to the regularly scheduled program. What I want you to see here in Exodus is that God observed their misery. Listen, what did he do? He heard their cry. He saw them, and what did he do? He rescued him. Oh, my God. I'm getting happy right now. Let me, let me explain something to you. How did God do this? How did, how did he save them? We know if we peer into the book of Exodus that Yahweh delivers his people. That's, that's what we know. But how does he do it? Pharaoh says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the women. I will employ them. I will take advantage of them. They are lesser than. And God says, oh, you think you're going to use my image bearers? You think you're going to use the ladies in this story for your good? Let me explain something to you. I will use your own daughter against you. What does the narrator tell us? The same verb endings in Hebrew that Yahweh does in seeing, in hearing, in delivering are the same verbs used to describe what happens with Pharaoh's daughter. She hears the baby crying. She sees him in his suffering. She delivers him. And the bigger part of it, Look, at, look in our text. It says there in verse number, the go part. I can't remember. My verses aren't numbered in here. Here I can tell you. Verse number eight. Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. What happens in the story with the people go? Because Pharaoh's stepmom had already let him go. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'll tell you what. Shoo! The Lord sees, hears, and delivers through the very means that Pharaoh was trying to eradicate and enslave. She tells Moses, make him go to his sister. Church, this is unreal. Who would have thought that the very follower that makes the most difference in this, the very person to do exactly, she heard, she saw, she drew him out of the water. The very person to do exactly what God did was Pharaoh's own daughter. Man, y'all need to just step back with me for a minute and just so, man, just say, I'm, I'm gonna think about that for a minute. The enemy, the proposed enemy. So let's get a full picture here. Moses' mother defied the order. All of these women working together. His little six, sister, six years old, follows him down the river. Can you imagine the amount of bravery and courage that it took for her to stand up and say, do you want me to find his mother? A little more research into, I wonder why Pharaoh's daughter was in the river to begin with for bathing. Most of what I have seen and read and heard, I think this perspective makes the most sense. She had indoor plumbing. She wasn't going out there to get clean. It was a ritual cleansing. Many think, and I think this is right up, right, right up the, the alley here of interpretation, the fact that she received Moses in such a way that was like instant, many people believe that Pharaoh's daughter was infertile and she was going down into the water to 
ritually cleanse herself and ask the gods to allow her to bear children. She sees this baby immediately and views it as a miracle. And what I see in that from the beginning is this. Over and over again, the gods of Egypt were a step behind Yahweh. If they were thinking they could have operated and given her what she wanted, Yahweh already beat them to it and had a baby right there in the reeds. God is always a step ahead. This, what what does this do for you? I know what it does for me. Do you ever have a hard time that you struggle with? Do you ever have a season where you're like, I just need an answer. I, I need to figure this thing out. My point is, is that what you're going through, God has already brought someone else through that. Be calm and sit still. Another incredible thing that I see here in this story is the, the basket or the ark. The Hebrew word is teva, that she puts Moses in and she pitches it, right? You know, that's the same word for the teva that Noah built. Noah built a teva and pitched it. And the Lord brought his family through the waters in order to save his people. God saving his people through a man, a family that uses a teva through the waters, and then they're drawn out of the waters. What I'm saying to you is it's a reenactment. Moses' family already knew how this story was going to end. With confidence, the daughter moves forward. I didn't say it didn't take courage. I didn't say it was easy. Yeah, she still lost her boy. Do you understand that? She still had to surrender her son to the quote-unquote enemy. It wasn't easy. But she chose her hard. This is what we're not doing well as Christians. We're not doing well at this. Here's the thing. Sin brings what? Sin brings death. Aren't we all going to (laughs) die? For me to live as Christ and to die is what? Gain, Paul says. So you can either live in fear of death or you can live for the time that God has already appointed you and get busy for the work of the Lord. I could live in fear that at any moment my son could be thrown into the Nile River or I can reach the point where I have to move forward in faith and I gotta deploy him in the Teva. Here's what I'm saying to you, church. Number one, whatever God is doing in your life, he has already done in someone else's. Be calm and assured. Anybody struggling with that this morning? Anybody struggling with being calm and assured about what the Lord's doing in your life? I know it's not easy. When you get the diagnosis, when you hear the bad news, when your child is going through something, and it's like, as a parent, you want to take it from them because they're going through it. How do you deal with that? Be calm. Be assured. Parents for thousands of years have been giving their children to the Lord. And the Lord has never failed them yet. Be calm, be assured. The sooner you accept this, the better. Don't you think there was a moment while she was making her teva that she went, man, thank God mine isn't as big as Noah's. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just got to build one for my little baby. Think about Noah, man. He had to build one big enough for every animal. What's the narrator trying to tell us? Listen, you got to build your ark. You have to build your teva. You have to put your son into the water. You have to walk the path that God has for who? For you. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. Number two, what else do I see in this story? There's only three. We're doing good on time. Number two, injustice is injustice no matter who is participating. Don't stand for it. Pharaoh's daughter recognizes her father's error, does she not? In that moment where she saw, she literally did exactly what Yahweh did. She heard, she saw, she delivered. As she pulled him from the water, injustice would have been tossing him back in the Nile. But she chose to end the cycle. There's two parts to this. The first part is injustice is injustice. 
Don't stand for it. Do not participate in it. But the third thing, injustice is also inevitable for us to endure if we are living in the light of the gospel. So endure it. Do you think it was difficult for Moses' mother to give him up to Pharaoh's daughter? Yes or no? Come on now, yes or no? Y'all are like, I got food waiting on me, Okay, this was good the first 10 minutes, you know what I'm saying. Uh, So cool, Noah and Moses, same person. Okay, wrap it up, pastor, land the plane. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me get to my points and we will go home, okay. Jeez, eat a mint or something. Y'all are like, tell another termite story with the Hivites. Jeez. Anybody seen that? Anybody seen that? I sent it to you. Anybody seen the donkey and the tiger video on Instagram where they're like at the zoo and they're like trying to, they're trying to record the tiger and they did like a voiceover, and he's like, "Yeah, I know you came to see the tiger, but I'm I'm the real VP MVP. I'm the, oh, you got it? Can you play it? You see it? You know what I'm saying? Tigers be out here. They be performing in Vegas and stuff. They be getting all the shine. I'm the people person, bro. Here with the people donkey, whatever you want to call it, man. The tigers ain't me, and I ain't them. Y'all got some snacks in there to distribute?" Oh, y'all like it rough and tough. I can get rough and tough, too. I can get rough and tough. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they be like, you see it. You see it. You know? All right, put know. the other thing back up like... there. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> That's the video I'm talking about. We were talking about it after service, and he found it. That's funny. <laughs> the donkey's like, you see it. You see it. That's the tiger. I'm the real MVP. And that's how I feel with this story. It's like I've been saying this a lot. Once you see it, you can't what? You can't unsee it. And there's a perspective that I'm trying to share with you. It's difficult. Look, this is tier 10 theological teaching. This is like high level stuff, what I'm about to say to you. And so I need you to be like engaged with it. But there's two sides to the coin. Here's what we're doing wrong in life, right? We are really loud about injustice that happens to ourselves. We're like, that's an injustice, it's unfair. You shouldn't treat me like that, right? Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's an employer, it's a relationship, husbands and wives. I just don't feel valued. And that's the husband. (laughs) You know, it's it's always about how we feel and about how other people are doing injustice to us. We, we are so good at pointing out injustices to us. But let me explain something to you. That's not what matters to God. You say, really? No. You don't think what happened to Jesus was an injustice? It was a botched trial. They didn't, Caiaphas, the high priest did not follow their own system of how to put someone on trial and get a guilty verdict. They rushed it. They did it at night. It wasn't supposed to happen at night. They did it with half the leadership. Jesus was convicted of being a criminal, and the Bible says he opened not his what? The scriptures say this, Matthew 10, 38, whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't pick up their injustice Do you understand? The cross was a symbol of death. Do we know what the cross, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah, inside of our church, we just keep a symbol of death. Welcome, all the visitors, come on. (laughs) Where are you coming? You're coming to church where they display a symbol of death. This is a great outreach tool, isn't it? (laughs) Have you thought of that? It's a symbol of death, an icon that reminds us that we are free. How does that work? Because Jesus bore it on himself so that others might go what? Free. Hmm. Paul put it this way in Philippians. He said, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his what? Uh Uh-huh. Being made conformable to his what? He also said, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. There you go. It's the next one. (laughs) 
It's the last one, actually. There it is. Here's, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. When it comes to injustice in this story, you have to be able and willing to point it out and end it for other people and be an advocate for others. But when it comes to yourself, you have to endure it. This is something that this generation really struggles with. And if you're a young person and you're here, I love you. I really do. But we have made a lot of soft young people in this country and this generation. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of young folks that really cannot handle injustice toward themselves. But what I want to explain something to you is the gospel teaches us that we should be able to handle it towards us, but not be able to handle it towards who? Other people. Let's not get it backwards. And here's what's happening. We're okay with injustice for other people. We'll talk about it. We'll give it a little like and share. Oh, yeah, some injustice over there. As long as I'm comfortable, as long as I'm good. And my point is that's not how God works. How many want a moving? I could say this and get 100% in the room. How many want a moving of the Holy Spirit? Yes, move, move spirit, yes. Come in, blow through here like a mighty rushing wind. Yes, move. Uh, what I want you to do is actually endure injustice. No. <laughs> Set my cross down. If you want to be led out of exile, you have to do it God's way. Oh, but wait, no. God is unjust, and the Bible's horrible, and it's demeaning towards women. Actually not. <laughs> Actually, God said, I'm going to use only women in this story to even get Moses into the picture. Oh, my goodness gracious. In fact, I'm going to use Pharaoh's daughter. In fact, I'm going to name the midwives by name. In fact, God says, I will literally use anyone. God says, I'm not a respecter of persons. You don't have to look at me as being a God that stays in his ivory tower and the peasantry is down there. No, I come to the peasantry. I Jesus and made conformable unto death. I became a servant. I humbled myself and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We want the name without the suffering. We want the exodus without doing what we're supposed to do in exile. It's not, and it can't be. Number one, you have to understand that what God is doing with and through you, he's already done with others. Relax. Your responsibility is to call out injustice in other people's lives and not stand for it. But injustice in your own life, the Lord wants you to endure it. The Lord wants you to love your enemy. The Lord wants you to be good to those that use you. I just can't. Well, then you're not ready to be a Christian. Put the cross down and walk away. Pastor, I'm sorry, it's hard. It's not easy. Look, what I'm saying to you, I told you, I already warned you. This is like tier 10 stuff, right? Are you ready for it? The answer is no, none of us are ready for it. It's extremely difficult, isn't it? But it's necessary. The only way, look, you're not getting out of this thing alive. You can let sin destroy your life or you can let the Edenic blessing be reversed and reinstated in your life and you can give your life for the sake of the kingdom of God. Which one do you want it taken from you with sin or do you just want to give it to God and offer it up as he offered his life for you? How many people this week will have their life wrecked or taken by sin? You don't want to serve God and give your life it's going to be taken from you either way. This is a truth that we have not come to grips with in our Christian lives. It's difficult. How many of us will say, you know what? 
God is willing to use anybody. He's proven that in the text. He'll, he'll use the most unlikely figures. But God, at mo- like literally, he set the example for this. Jesus endured so much for you and for me. Can we live for him today? Can we be taken out of exile? That requires us to count the cost. That requires us to be the little girl in the bushes and be courageous. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.